A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Hello, I'm Tim Farron and welcome to the show which delves into the mucky business of politics through the eyes of Christians. You might think politics is tainted by compromise and sin. Well, you'd be right, wouldn't you? But then again, so is everything else. And I think we should be praying in an informed way for our brothers and sisters who operate in the world of politics. Today, we'll be joined by David Lawrence, who will stand to be the Labour MP for Basingstoke at the next general election. David currently works for a non-governmental organisation. We're going to be asking him why he's looking to make the leap into Parliament and how he juggles work, life and preparation for an election with a baby on the way. Well, more of that in a bit. But first, if you've seen any news over the last couple of weeks, you will know about the Philip Schofield affair. I'm not going to comment on the specifics except to say that it would be a good thing for us to pray for a resolution to all the anger, remorse and hurt being played out in the media on this issue. The situation does lead me to reflect on how the abuse and misuse of power in relationships is played out repeatedly in public life. This is seen in the entertainment industry, politics, sport and the church. In fact, in every institution where humans are placed on a pedestal, revered for a while and then torn down when they prove to have feet of clay. In our postmodern culture, power is key. All truth claims are considered to be linked to the desire to obtain and maintain control over others, economically, politically and socially. In this world, individuals need to fight for their rights against the oppression of the elites who wield the power. The media takes delight in exposing and deposing those who step out of line, wielding in its own power to destroy careers and reputations. Injustices must be exposed and put right, but in the court of public opinion, even where there is genuine remorse, even repentance, there is rarely room for forgiveness or redemption. Our culture encourages us to be glowering Pharisees, strangers to grace. Those who are given a public voice, who thrive on respect and adulation, whether they are MPs, church leaders, television presenters, should understand that they must tread lightly, being cast out into the wilderness can be swift and brutal and apparently permanent. It's entirely possible, as Philip Schofield claims, that those who wield power and influence did not always fully recognise the imbalance or the effect that their actions have on those lower down the hierarchy. It's possible, although it's not a great excuse. But others clearly use their authority quite deliberately and knowingly to intimidate, bully and abuse others. For those proven guilty of abuse, justice should be done. Power and celebrity can be intoxicating and dangerous for those who hold it, and social media has only exacerbated this trend. American commentator Bonnie Christian, writing in Christianity Today in the context of US politics, believes that constant access to a public platform, which effectively now includes all of us, leads to a misplaced sense of self-importance and grandiosity, where, and here's a quote from her, the constant invitation to air our views can deceive us about their quality and importance, close quotes. What a brutal, but I feel quite accurate summary of the state of our discourse. In this context, holding a Christian faith can give us a real dose of perspective. Whilst human hierarchy raises some up and pushes others down, we are all equal in the eyes of God. Nobody is worthier or more important than anyone else. And we are equal at an immensely lofty level 
because we're all made in God's image and deeply loved by him. Yet, at the same time, we are all equally incapable of redeeming ourselves, no matter how much power and influence we may exercise on earth. This recognition should humble even the mightiest leader. At the heart of God's story is not power, but relationship. He designed us to live in perfect relationship with himself and one another. But since we all fail to do this every day, we need each of us his grace and redemption achieved for us through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Loving our neighbour means we are supposed to put others first, to promote their interests rather than wielding control over those who have less power than we do. Humans have always failed at this in our own strength. The Bible is full of abuses of power and relationship, often but not always involving sex. See Potiphar's wife and Joseph, King David and Bathsheba, the first century churches to whom Paul writes stern letters. Jesus taught us how to model right relationships. His story of the rich man and Lazarus, recounted in Luke chapter 16, is an eye-opening warning to those who abuse their power on earth without remorse. The rich man gave no thought to the beggar at his gate, too engrossed in his own wealth and importance, but the tables were turned after death. Forgiveness and grace are potent antidotes to the abuse of power, and we can only find those in Jesus. So let's pray today for all those who enjoy positions of influence and for those who have fallen from them, for integrity and public life across all sectors. Let's pray for forgiveness and healing for those caught up in current scandals and that those involved may turn to Jesus and know that all is not lost. Whatever our position on earth, we are each offered a great and enduring hope that lasts beyond worldly fame. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Well, so to our guest, David Lawrence, who is the Labour prospective parliamentary candidate for Basingstoke. David, welcome. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm well. Thanks for having me, Tim. Well, it's a blessing to have you with us. Let's let's begin, as we often do with our guests, and ask you a little bit about your faith. How did you come to be a Christian? Well, my story uh, really begins in Basingstoke, which is, of course, now where I'm standing to be a uh, member of parliament. Um, my parents were very active in Basingstoke Community Church, uh, but uh, quite soon they felt called uh, by God to move to China, which is where I also spent lots of my childhood. Uh, now, my mother is from China originally. She was uh, actually one of the student activists in the 1980s um, student rebellion against the government of pro-democracy protests. Uh, and that was, of course, a battle that the students lost. Um, and it was quite soon after that that she became a Christian. Um, and she and my dad uh, felt called to work in China and to be um, active uh, Christians uh, in in normal jobs in universities. Um, but I think growing up in China and, and being in the church there uh, meant that I encountered a very real and active uh, form of faith, particularly as there was so much religious persecution going on in China. You had to be constantly vigilant and aware of the authorities, but I think that really uh, meant that the church held together and um, had to had to take their life, their, their faith seriously in a way that doesn't always happen um, here in the West. And I think I inherited a certain kind of mission orientedness from my parents. So I remember um, we would, uh, I remember baptizing people in the bath in our flat in China and uh, hosting Bible studies and always sort of worrying about the Chinese Communist Party peering over our shoulder. Mm. Um, so that, that that was my first experience. But I would say faith became a much more real and personal thing for me 
uh, as a teenager, as I think it does for lots of people, when I was back in England and going along to my local church, got involved with a youth group there, um, has some very inspiring leaders. And it's it's morphed and changed over the years, um, obviously, but uh, that's that's where it began for me. So you return to the UK, you go to university, amongst the many things you do there is you help set up something called Just Love. Tell us about it. Yeah, that's right. So uh, it, it wasn't just uh, me on my own, but a number of us were um, active in the Christian Union at university. And uh, that, that was great. And um, don't have anything to be negative to say about that. But I think a lot of us did feel that um, while the Christian Union was very focused on evangelism, we were encountering day to day a lot of injustices in the city that we were in. Um, I remember quite vividly sort of walking past homeless people in order to go to lectures and tutorials discussing these sort of because I was studying politics I was discussing these big issues Mm. of social injustice and encountering Mm. them right in front of me Um, and I think a number of us felt that faith must have something to say about that Uh, a number of us were particularly inspired by the um, Isaiah 58 passage about loosening the chains of injustice and this um, idea that God is uh, interested not just in our eternal souls and consequences, um, but but also in the day-to-day and in the real societal injustices that exist around us. Um, and so we set up Just Love, which is a community of Christian students which uh, aims to engage with social issues. Um, it's, it's pretty broad in terms of focus, so it could be anything from climate change through to local homelessness through to global poverty. Um, but that, that was something that I was, yeah, very I was very privileged to have students around me, Christian students who who want, mm. who shared that vision, and it's definitely shaped my um, my politics and my activism since then. And we'll come back to that in a moment. But you, post university, um, put that uh, justice focus uh, of your faith into into action in some of the things that you've done for a living, working for the uh, trade justice movement and for the Keep Sunday special campaign. Tell us a little bit about those things. Yeah, well, I suppose this is when I kind of got more interested in politics. I, I, I completely avoided student politics despite studying it. Um, but I think uh, working on a in the sort of charity sector with Just Love, but also um, uh, as a community organizer for a bit in, in, in London, um, just got me thinking about how do we create lasting and sustained change. And what I found in, in the charity sector and in community organizing was that you could be doing really great work, but so often you would be pushing and pushing and pushing on an issue. And eventually you'd hit this brick wall and that brick wall was called politics. Mm. And the feeling was that if you really wanted to make lasting change on a, on a systemic level, um, you would have to engage with the political system, whether that's local councillors or whether that's with MPs or with the government itself. Um, and so, yeah, I, did, I, I worked for the Keep Sunday Special Campaign, which was, um, really interesting it's such a broad coalition of sort of churches christian mps trade unions um uh small businesses a number of groups that were concerned about the effect of uh completely liberalizing sunday trading laws um uh and and yes as you said also worked for the trade justice movement which i think had in some ways a similar focus but just on a more global level of how um yeah how our global trading system disadvantages uh, those who are least well off and a lot of Christian organizations and charities and churches were behind that which sort of came out of the um, Jubilee debt campaign which uh, I'm sure you remember which was also sort of spearheaded by Christians in Britain. A mucky business with Tim Farron. 
We're talking to David Lawrence, who, amongst many other things, is the Labour prospective parliamentary candidate for Basingstoke. So, David, you studied politics at university. Uh, I, as a, as a, a, an intensely active student politician myself many, 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 many years ago, I could totally understand why you avoided student politics, but you <laughs> haven't avoided politics uh, in your time since university. You did that placement through the Buxton uh, Partnership in Parliament and got to know how the ropes worked here, so to speak. Um, but you then joined the Labour Party and you found yourself to be the candidate for Basingstoke. So first of all, as a Christian, tell me why Labour? Well, I think um, to, to paraphrase uh, Andy Flanagan, who runs Christians in Politics in the UK, um, there, there's no party that I 100% agree with, um, or, or to put it more accurately, there is one party that I 100% agree with, and that's the David Lawrence party. Uh, <laughs> but it only has one member, and sadly, it's me. Um, so I think as uh, anyone involved with politics, you 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 have to compromise, you have to find a political home. And I'm sure you found this too, where, where you feel comfortable, where you feel like people are broadly um, pushing towards the same vision, but you're not always going to agree. And I actually think growing up in the church uh, was great preparation for being involved with the Labour Party because um, the Labour Party is a broad church. We have our we have our factions, we have our arguments, we have our moderates and our radicals. Um, we navel gaze at times, um, but fundamentally we're united by a shared vision for society and we're also united by a sense of community. Um, and I think that's where the magic happens when people are willing to put aside some of their differences and willing to push towards a shared vision despite not agreeing on everything. Uh, when that happens in the church, I think it's amazing. And that's um, that's a vision of what God wants for humanity on earth. Um, but, and when it happens in the Labour Party, that's when we actually get things done as well. So Labour was always where I felt most at home. I don't agree with everything that um, Labour does or, or with all of my colleagues all of the time. Um, but I, I think it's important to, to step up, to get involved. Um, obviously, the political system that we have means that uh, you kind of have to engage with a political party in order to to be in the game. Um, and also in places like Basingstoke, it's it's only really between two parties. And I knew I wasn't a conservative. So so that was the, the natural place to go. And so let's think a little bit about the, the mechanics. So you choose the Labour Party, you're clearly a man uh, who is a uh, a believer who wants to put his faith into practice to tackle social injustices at home and abroad. You recognise, having spent some time as an intern in, in Parliament, uh, that the political machinery is the thing you need to get around to make a difference. So how do you, what's the, what does the system look like for you to go from being a member of the Labour Party to being a candidate? What did you need to do? Well, I, I don't want to give the impression that this was sort of all brilliantly well planned <laughs> it just sort of turned out and I also um you know there's also a chance that uh I <laughs> live to regret it my my wife and I are having a baby later this year and are very conscious of um how politics might um interact with family life and how, how that could create difficulties as well as as well as being a hugely exciting thing um but yeah I mean I think practically for me um and and I would recommend this to anyone who wants to go further in politics uh I think being very open to conversations with people was helpful. So a, a number of people nudged me towards um, thinking more seriously about politics. And I think, uh, although I was, yeah, I, I didn't think this is what I'd end up doing. Um, I was always open to those conversations and having coffees with people. And I think politics, uh, I and mean, people say that, you know, relationship is 
relationships of the currency and politics and that's that's really true much more so in politics than than any other industry i can think of and so i think having uh a uh, a wide community of people around you who are doing interesting things as well as a sort of smaller community of people who perhaps share your faith and vision and who can encourage you along the journey that's mm -hmm. that's really important i benefited a lot from christians on the left which i think is a very natural um home for christians involved with the labor party and if, if if you're a christian listening and you want to get involved with the labor party then that's that's definitely a good place to start um but then also just engaging with yeah politics at a local level as i said i think this community organizing work i did um although i i definitely noticed its shortcomings and that's what spurred me to go into politics i'm really glad that i did that work at a very local level um and i do worry about people who uh, who just go straight from the Westminster bubble into politics without having that local grounding first. Um, and actually the church, again, can be a really good place for that because, um, you know, it's one of the few places outside of my political work where I meet ordinary people and people who don't mm. look and sound like me. Um, and we might share the same faith, but in, a, in other ways we can be vastly different. Um, and that's something really special that the church can offer as well. And so the system works that you apply to be the candidate for Basingstoke and that the members of the Labour Party who live within that constituency get to decide whether they want you or somebody else. Is that, yeah, is that what happened? That's basically it, yes. Um, so that, yes, you apply and then uh, the National Party has some say over the initial stages. So they, mm. they help draw up a long list. Uh, but then it's you know, it's entirely up to the local party uh, to come up with a shortlist and also to then um, vote for which candidate they want. So um, I was up against a, a couple of local councillors um, and that was uh, tricky in some ways because I didn't have as much uh, sort of local political experience as they did. But I sort of put myself forward as having the, the local roots, having having lived in Basingstoke as a child and knowing the area well, uh, but also some of the national experience having worked within the Westminster mm -hmm. system and on other projects that we talked about. Um, and uh, yeah, in the end, the members chose me. Um, and so now I have the privilege of being their candidate in the next general election. And before we get to that, a question really in, in the selection process where you had to make speeches and meet with local members, did your faith ever come up as either a, a plus or a negative with anybody you spoke to? It definitely came up. Yeah, I was pretty, uh, I've always been very open about my faith and um, partly just because it's such a key part of my story and why I ended up in politics. Um, I, uh, I think people, uh, I know not everyone has had um a positive experience of being a Christian within politics within the Labour Party but for me it was it, it's not been an issue yet I mean maybe it will um but uh people really yeah I think people like that I have uh a story about why I'm involved with politics which isn't just about um my my own ambitions but sort of um is part of a bigger story and a bigger worldview I think a lot of people like that that's and I think people understand that the church is well grounded and that the Labour Party actually, particularly after the last few years, and obviously we've been through the, the Corbyn era and you know, four difficult election defeats. I think there is a sense that we actually, yeah, have a bit of um thinking to do about how we connect with society. I think the church has done a lot of that thinking as well, at times done it well, at times not done it so well. Um so uh I, I think a lot of people yeah recognize the benefits of of yeah having a link to local institutions in Basingstoke that are outside of the party through the church um but also I would say there are lots of 
people, there are lots of Christians in the Labour Party. There's lots of Christians in the local party in Basingstoke. Um, lots of people have a sort of faith background, um, even if they wouldn't currently call themselves Christians. Uh, it's often said that the Labour Party owes owes more to Methodism than to Marx. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I, I really see that, that a lot of people who get involved with the party have been active in, in local churches and church projects, um, much more so than sort of you know, radical Marxism, communism, um, that the Labour Party was explicitly set up to to be an alternative to. So at some point in the, by my calculations, probably the next 10 to 18 months, you'll have to face the electorate of Basingstoke, during which time you and your wife will have a baby. <laughs> you are trying to hold down a full-time job as well. So for lots of people perhaps listening to this, they perhaps don't realise that, uh, that that is what life is like for many people running for Parliament. Um, so how will you, do you think, hold those things together over the next few months? And uh, and you talked about relationship I and mean, your um, your need to be able to convince people in Basingstoke, not just to vote Labour, but to vote for you, given we're called to be humble. Um, how, how do we manage that? That's a lot in one go. And you've got a minute to finish off. <laughs> well, it's it's possible that I I will really struggle to manage it. I, I, yeah, I don't want to sound like I've got it all all figured out and I think this is also where um a faith is is not just helpful but sort of mm. necessary because yeah, I, I, yeah it's, it's not the kind of thing that one can do on the, their own but um yeah I mean a, a few things one, one is that I think yeah ha having a baby and the family is obviously in one sense um a big challenge uh particularly in terms of time and sleep but I think in another sense it's it's hugely grounding I don't want mm. to be someone who's just a political candidate and doesn't have um other other parts of my life and actually i think having uh, not not putting um family on hold i think was was really important decision for, for me and my wife um is actually conservative mp steve bryan in winchester i happened to be on a tv debate with him and he he actually encouraged me to to go for it and said you know you can't, can't <laughs> let politics hold up your um maybe he was trying to sabotage my prospects but <laughs> uh so so i think i think that's important to not put other parts of your life on hold um and then yeah i really would emphasize the importance of having a community of people around you who are who are praying for you um uh my my parents are nearby in winchester and i know they regularly pray for me and support me um my brothers have come down to help knock on doors for me as a, a number of friends who who live in surrounding constituencies or in London um, and then there's obviously the, the local relationships in Basingstoke both in the church and the Labour Party that, that support me um, so that's really important as well uh, but I mean you're right no one no one pays you to be a candidate it's it's a big challenge financially it's um, a huge burden for, for Hannah my wife um, and uh, yeah we'll we'll see how we go but yeah um, it, by the grace of God I think we'll, we'll, we'll get through this next year somehow. Well, David, we're really grateful to uh, hear from you and and to give us a window into what it is to be a parliamentary candidate in a seat you're fighting to win whilst doing normal things. And I think we spend too little time realising that's how life really is now, politics really is. Um, thank you so much for applying your Christian faith in a really practical way in what you're doing now, what you have been doing, and for opening up to us on the show. It's been an absolute blessing having you with us and we wish you well. Thanks, Tim. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here. Each week, we give you the opportunity for you to ask any question you'd like about this mucky business of politics. Now, it might be how an aspect of this world impacts us Christians who work within it, or maybe there's a particular issue that you're struggling to make sense of. 
Well, I'd love to hear from you and attempt an answer. So please drop me an email to farron at premier.org.uk. And there is a very strong chance that I'll be answering it on an episode over the next few weeks. This week, Anna has been in touch and she says this. Some political issues are entirely political and there is no obvious faith angle on it, e.g. Brexit, whereas others have a clear scriptural basis, welcoming asylum seekers and being kind to immigrants. How do you, as a Christian liberal, approach the two types of issue differently, given that sometimes we believe things in both categories with equal vigour and certainty? It's a great question, Anna. I think I'd push back a little bit on the assumption behind the question, because I think that we bring our faith into every aspect of politics. It's seizing every thought for Christ, every decision for Christ. And that means even issues that seem purely political, where there's no obvious um, biblical exhortation uh, either way. Nevertheless, we're called to speak truthfully um, and to love our neighbour. There are, of course, many other commandments that we would need to uh, seek to obey as well. But just looking at those two in the first place, in which case, what we say about Brexit is also something we would look at through a Christian lens. Are we telling the truth? Are we loving our neighbour? Indeed, are we acting wisely? And the same applies for those issues that certainly I feel, as do you, Anna, uh, have a more direct exhortation from the Bible behind them, um, that we should be kind to the stranger in our land, to immigrants, to asylum seekers. Uh, that in some ways, I guess, would lead some people who might be conservative or who might be Christians who uh, take a, a less liberal approach to asylum to say that, look, what we're doing is um, it's not hateful. It's about managing the process in a wise way. That might be where their response. So I think even then there is some uncertainty. But we've got to be always asking ourselves, how are we doing? And the way we speak about and act about this issue, asylum, Brexit, whatever it might be, and how is that going to go down with the audience of one, the one who really matters? And so we should be doing all of these things, saying all of these things and making these decisions always, capturing every thought for Christ. If you have a question for Tim, email farron at premier.org.uk. Well, let's end our time together, as we always do, in prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, we think of people like David Lawrence, and we're grateful to you for them, who put themselves forward to stand for Parliament, and what that means for their lives, for their families, for how they balance their working lives with their political lives. And we thank you for raising up many Christians to stand for Parliament at the next election, many of them for the first time. And we just pray that you would be with them, you provide for them, you'd bless them and give them time of peace and relaxation with their family that you'd help them to be open about their faith, wise about how they share it, and a real witness and encouragement um, to Christians and in witness to those who are not yet. And we thank you that you are um, so active in this area. Encourage others to follow them, uh, we pray. And Lord, we also lift up to you the country of Ukraine, war-torn and apparently at a tipping point. Uh, it feels as though there may be uh, Ukrainian advances, at least attempted in the coming days, we pray for justice. Uh, we are partial, Lord. Uh, we don't sit on the fence. We um, uh, appeal to you on behalf of the victim and appeal for justice to be delivered against the aggressor. Uh, we pray that uh, you protect your people in Ukraine. Uh, we pray you would keep them safe. We pray, Lord, that you would help them to lift you up at the time of great crisis, um, that the gospel would be preached and will be heard and responded to by thousands upon thousands of people in Ukraine and beyond. 
We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch up on past episodes, which feature interviews with party leaders, former government ministers and MPs from all the major parties. Just search for A Mucky Business on your chosen podcast provider or head to premierchristianradio.com forward slash A Mucky Business.